1: Radio. In and out of situations That trouble day long I struggle for answers that I need, but then I come into His presence, and oh my God, Oh,
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Patricia Adams Live. Today is the Lord's Day. This is December 6th. We are beginning the broadcast on Who Did I Marry? This is not a trick question. This is a God question, and we are going to dig into it according to the Word of God. I thank God for this opportunity to come and share with you what he has placed on our hearts. I thank you for joining us, and I thank you, uh, callers, for being on the air with us. I see um, that I have caller one and caller two right now, and I want to, first off, say that we're going to have a conversation, uh, a dialogue, if you would, throughout this topic back and forth, but I want to lay the initial groundwork on this. And the song uh, by Tiffany Contreras says that in the presence of Jehovah, in the presence of our king, that hearts of hearts are mended. Uh, people have been broken in so many different ways, in so many different situations and circumstances that relationships, relationships are the things that um, we suffer woundings from because We have to be in relationship in order to exist in this world. We are sons, we're daughters, we're mothers, we're fathers, we're sisters, we're brothers, we're husbands, we're wives, we're employers, employees, and we're consumers. And we have relationships, some that are personal, some that are impersonal, and in the course of living in this world, we experience woundings. We
0: experience
2: things that would come to cause our hearts to become hardened. And as we enter into our personal relationships, so just set that up is that when you're wounded in impersonal relationships, people who are not, say, significant in your everyday home life, So external woundings come from the relationships on the outside of your home life, and then you get wounded externally, and you come internally, and you take what's happened to you externally, and you bring it into your internal relationships, your internal relationships being your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, your children. And you have to process all of that. So if you don't take the time to get in his presence, if you don't take the time to seek his face, if you don't take the time to let him heal the places that are hurting you, the places that are just oozing with pain, then you tend to inflict that pain on other people And some people internalize it and they inflict it on themselves. And so there's a cycle that has to be broken. There's a cycle that has to um, be put under your feet, if you would, if you're going to get the victory and maintain the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. So right now, if you would just join me in prayer, we're going to go into prayer before we get started any further. Father, I thank you. I thank you for those who have tuned in. I thank you for those who are about to tune in. I thank you for those who will tune in after this broadcast is over. I thank you, God, that your word will go forth and not return unto to you void, but will accomplish that, which you have sent it to do. God, I thank you that as the callers are joining us and as those are joining us in the chat room and those who are coming about to listen, that your word would have free course, that it would have free reign, that it would break up the foul ground, that a seed would be planted, God, and that someone else would come and water and you would give the increase. God, we're thanking you for the victory through Christ Jesus. Amen. And we're going to come from the book of Hosea, Chapter 2, and we're also going to come from uh, the Song of Solomon, Chapter 2. But what I'd like to start out with is a devotional um, message that I saw in my utmost for his highest, and it is called the bow in the cloud. And it's based on Genesis 9 and 13, and it says, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. It's the will of God that human beings should get into moral relationship with him and his covenants or for this purpose. So why does not God save us? Well, the scripture says that he has saved us but we have not entered into relationship with him. So when we say, okay, well, why, God, don't you do this and why don't you do that? He has done it. The point is, will we step into covenant relationship? All the great blessings of God are finished and complete, but they are not ours until we enter into relationship with him on the basis of his covenant. So in Genesis, God set and made a covenant with the earth. Well, he has also made a covenant with His people. And we must understand that in order for Him to be our God, we must become His people. So in Hosea, we find that the children of Israel no longer want to be God's people. And God says, You know, I have taken all that I intend to take off of you after all that I've done for you. You don't want to be my people. Well, guess what? I've reached a point where I don't want to be your God. So we find this relationship, this covenant, this fellowship is being broken. And why is it being broken? Because the children of Israel will not step into the relationship. So it's one thing to have a relationship, but it's a whole different situation to have a one-sided relationship. And a lot of people know what we're talking about, is that the relationship is kind of flipped. It's, you know, they talk about 80-20, 50-50, 60-40, and all of that. But ultimately, if you have not given it your all, you have not glorified God. And so the purpose of talking about who is this that I married is to get you to understand is that everything that you do works its way out from your relationship with God. However fractured your relationship is with God, that's how fractured your relationship will be with other people. So we go through this situation and there are those of us um, who have been broken in so many different areas from childhood on up that we find the complexities of people, relationships, Difficult to maintain, difficult to engage, difficult to negotiate, but because you have an acute awareness of what's genuine and what's disgenuine, it causes a little bit of a problem. So you're trying to figure out, okay, this person that I married, are, are they really married to me? Are they really in this relationship with me? Well, I want to take that thought and let's apply it to God. God says that I've given everything. I've given my only begotten son for them. And are they in this relationship with me or not? And here's the question. Who is this that I married? Who did I marry? Are you really, truly married to the first love? Because if you desire him as he desires you, then the answer is yes. But if your desire for him is somewhat lax and and laid back and um, kind of dry and, okay, well, I'll go to church Sunday. Maybe I won't go to church Sunday. And you don't talk to him until you go to church Sunday. And maybe you don't even talk to him when you get to church. You just listen to him talking to you through the preacher. Well, then that relationship is upside down and so when you leave church and you go out and you interact with your husband or your wife or you interact with other people then you're going to have some complexities that face you because basically your first love, your home base, your your homeboy, if you would, the person of the personhood and not the naturalness, but the personhood of God has not yet come into full maturity in your life. So in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1 says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And we're going to skip down to uh, verse 4. He says, he brought me into the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Scrolling on down to, uh, let's see, verse 8, says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the window, showing himself through the lattice. Verse 10 says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And then we go into verse 14. It says, oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Take us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Verse 16 says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. In this particular uh, passage, you see where God is wanting to be in this relationship. There is a wooing. There is a pursuit going on of the one that he loves. And he's hoping that the one that he loves is going to respond back to him. So you see the setup in chapter 2 where there's an initial pursuit, and then there is a momentary satisfaction because they're interacting with one another. And then in this interaction, there creates a yearning. In uh, verse uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, I'm, I'm going to go back, and it says that, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. The kisses that one seeks after here are different from the kisses of a father upon the neck with the prodigal son, that kiss was a sign of forgiveness, that all was forgiven between the father and the son. But this kiss, this is the kiss that we've already received from the Lord Jesus Christ when he has become the Lord of our lives. So the emphasis in the Song of Songs is the love relationship between a believer and the Lord. As such, forgiveness is an implicit fact, so therefore there is, no mention of forgiveness because this is not about forgiveness. This has already gone past forgiveness. You've been forgiven, but now you are my beloved. So the Song of Songs does not speak about how a person turns from the position of a sinner to the position of a believer, but how it is about the believer turning from a position of thirsting to a position of satisfaction, going from being the woman at the well to the woman um, who receives the water, that she would never thirst again. So in order for you to drink, you have to first be thirsty. There has to first be a desire before there can be a satisfaction. So the desires of your heart, if they are not towards God, then there is no desire for satisfaction. And I know there's a secular song, and I don't remember all of it, but it says, you know, can't get no satisfaction. Well, in Christ Jesus, you can get satisfaction. So the Song of Songs is between Christ, a prototype. It's, it's talking about the foreshadowing of the love that Christ has for the church. But then you take that same love in the book of Hosea, and you have a God desiring to be with his people and desiring for his people to be with him. So we have to understand that everything that has been set in motion for us by God and has been sacrificed for us through Jesus Christ and is being implemented and sealed for us by the Holy Spirit has already been finished. So we have to long for Him. We have to get up and go after Him. We, he wants us to chase Him. So if we learn how to woo Him, if we learn how to praise Him, if we learn how to worship Him, and as David says, "Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together." He wants and He desires to hear because He says He did what in Genesis that we were made for His good pleasure. We were made to please him. We were made to um, show forth his glory. So after you become saved, then you enter into what I would like to call the marriage because it's one thing to go through the proposal. It's one thing to go through the engagement. It's one thing to accept the engagement. It's one thing to get married. But after you get married, then comes the marriage. So let's move to that point. We've gone through that point, but many of us, because we did not really take the time in the wooing stage, in the engagement stage, in the, the dating stage, that we find out that the person now that we are married to, we don't really know who we marry. Well, God is just like that. He married us. And he loves us through his son Jesus. He has given us all that is going to be given. But because we have not yet stepped into relationship with him, we have not yet attained and obtained what he has given. So now after you've gotten saved, we know that there has to become a longing. I believe it is in Psalms um, where David talks about he pants after him. That's a thirsting. That's a longing after him. So how do we know when this longing occurs inside of us? It comes at a time when the Holy Spirit wakens us up and and we begin to seek after the Lord. God is not having to look for us, but we go looking for him. We become the seekers. We become hungry and thirsty for righteousness sake. And so... Here you hear the maiden in the Song of Solomon say, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth. She doesn't say who him is, but in her mind there has to be only one him. It's the one she seeks after. So she's not seeking after uh, John, and she's not seeking after Bob, and she's not seeking after Joe. She's seeking after him. So by seeking after him, who is him? We know who him is. It is the one she seeks after, and it is the one who wants to be sought after. So prior to this, her relationship with the Lord was general and basic, and she was not satisfied with just a general basic knowledge of him. She wanted to have a personal relationship with him. So a personal relationship says that, you know, she wanted to be kissed by him. She wanted to know the expression of his love, and so no one can kiss two people at the same time. I mean... You know, really, you cannot kiss, you can have what they say, this menage a trois, but you can't kiss somebody at the same time and fully kiss that person. So a kiss is an expression of a personal relationship. And so because these are not kisses of a Christian kiss, of a kiss on the cheek, um, where um, Judas betrayed Jesus, uh, nor on the feet, as Mary did when she was kissing the feet of Jesus, These are kisses of his mouth. So it's a sign of personal affection that she's designed from him. So a general relationship is no longer satisfactory. So now we know that there is a longing that has been set up in her heart. So she wants the personal relationship and she is beginning to go after it. She's beginning to separate herself from the things that are preventing her from getting that satisfaction. So the Holy Spirit has now placed a yearning down inside of her for more. And because she's had this yearning down inside of her, and she wants to have this intimate relationship, this intimacy, this experience with God, her future... Depends on it now. So if we don't have a hunger and a thirst, we only have a song, as in the Song of Solomon. It says that if we don't have a hunger and thirst, then all we have is a song. So if we don't have a hunger and thirst, all we have is the word. So the word has to be literally eaten. So we have the word. In front of us, in our Bibles, on our on our, our computers, um, on our CDs, whatever, we have the word, but because we have not yet eaten and taken the whole of the word, we have not gained the satisfaction. So in chapter 1 of Song of Songs, we had the pursuit. We have the fellowship. We have the revelation in the inner chambers. We hear the king speaking. You hear uh, his answer. You hear him praising and, and giving promises and telling her all about the horses, talking about her physical appearance, her cheeks, uh, her hair, her neck, uh, the jewelry, all of this, the bed, everything. And then the maiden speaks. And then you go into the presence of Christ and she's putting on him outwardly, but then there has to come a time when she has to put him on inwardly. It says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put him on, but then at another point we put him in. So now the king is praising her desires, and she responds back. The king then goes into replying to her in. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2 and then she is full of praise and enjoyment and then the king gives a charge so the conclusion of this is that the maiden sees the cross in the first chapter she has not seen the power of the resurrection in chapter 1 of the book of Song of Solomon so then uh, she gets into the danger of indulging um, herself with external things and she realizes that it's not about, um, let's see, what's external? The things that are external are the church you go to, the choir that you listen to, the pew that you sit on, the pastor that you have, but she is desiring an inner fellowship. So she doesn't completely understand what it is that she wants, but she knows that she wants more than what she has. So now she has to go into a place of consecration and a place of consecration takes you into obedience. And because she has not yet passed through the test, she has not yet taken up her cross, and she has not yet denied herself. So there's a danger that's still lurking. Uh, she's presumptuous about who she is and presumptuous about who he is. So we find ourselves now saying, okay. All this time that she's been saved, I mean, you know people maybe who've been saved for a long time, and then you have someone else who comes into the kingdom and they get saved, and they seem to just leap ahead of the person that's been saved a long time. This is this is an example of that. So she's enjoyed the fruit of what God has done, but she has not begun to allow the Lord to enjoy the fruit of her. She's gained him, but he has not gained her. So comes the call for deliverance from yourself. And out of the deliverance from yourself, then you go after him and you enter into the power of the resurrection. You enter in to the place of the richness of the resurrection. You enter in to the place where he becomes all. You hear him calling you and you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. He says, you know, come away with me. Come away with me. And, and you quickly run. Here I am. Here I am. And, and you're ready to go whenever he calls you. And you don't hesitate to go. And so everything that would keep you from going, when he calls you, you want to get rid of it. And this is what happens in chapter 2, verse 15. It says, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. This is talking about hindrances, things that would keep you from getting into this relationship, things that are distractions in your life. So now we find out that even during um, the times where we fail, God is still wanting us. Because it says that when you become freshly consecrated, um, you don't really know what it is that you're going to become. But all you know is, is that he loves you. And that you've made him the center of your life. And that you want to maintain that feeling of belonging to him. You want to maintain that relationship. So in the maintenance of that relationship, you've got to get up and go up. You've got to ascend. You've got to walk into that new creation, if you would. So we are at the point where we have to understand that when we say, who did I marry? Did you marry him first? Did you allow him to show you how he can be your husband Or be your wife, because remember, we're not dealing with a gender-specific God in that sense. He's a spirit, and it says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's God enough to be your husband. He's God enough to be your wife. Who did you marry? So in Song of Solomon, we see that uh, in in the, the description of the show, we said, first you dated, then you became engaged and then the wedding, but did you marry who you thought you dated? Now the question, what did you forget to consider? What did you forget to consider is that when you came to Christ, when you came to Christ, did you consider that salvation was more than just you being able to say, okay, I'm on my way to heaven? It's a relationship. It's a relationship. So you've pursued him. You've gone through the dating stage, and you find yourself now he's saying, okay, I want to have you in a relationship with me. Then you find the engagement. And then he says, now, I brought you into the room, the banqueting room, and I placed a banner over you and I said that I love you. So now you find out that he has brought you into his chambers, and he's saying, you're my bride, you're my beloved, and I want to know you, but because you have all of these other issues from where you've been wounded externally and where you've been wounded internally in your different relationships. You, you put up this veil, you put up this charade, if you would, and you say, okay, you know, I know you want to love me and I know you want to get to know me better and I know that you want to spend more time with me, but I'm really afraid that if you really get to know me, that maybe, maybe you will change your mind. And so we find the same thing going on between a man and a woman when they get married. It's like, well, if if I really show you who I really am, maybe you'll you'll not really want to be married to me. If I really let you see uh, my weaknesses, if I really let you see my flaws, if I really let you see my vulnerabilities, um, will you take them and use them against me? All of these things come because of trust and fear. But when we turn and we say, okay, God, teach me how to love, you first, so that everything that I do flows out of you. Let me make you the center of my life. Let me yield to the cross. Let me yield to all of the obedience that comes with taking up my cross so that I can enter into this place of maintenance, so that I can enter into this place of the power of your resurrection so that I can move from the resurrection and go into your ascension so that I can always stay in relationship with you. You don't have to come looking for me. You don't have to wonder if I'm pursuing another lover. You don't have to wonder if I'm cheating on you. You don't have to wonder if I've changed my mind about being your people. I'm going to always want to be with you. I'm gonna always long and thirst after you. I'm gonna always want more of you. I'm not gonna ever grow weary of you. I'm gonna yearn for you. I'm gonna long for you. I'm going to need you even more every day. I'm gonna need you even more, and I'm going to let you know how I feel about you. I'm going to show you how I feel about you because of my service. I'm going to serve you with the heart of someone who is being loved and someone who, in turn, is willing to love that. So now um, I want to go to, um, we have a special guest on the line with us, and his name is Philip Brown uh, II. And he is a pastor, and he is also married. And let's hear what he has to say about what we've set up so far. And given the fact that I know that he has already delivered a message on the book of Hosea, I want to really find this quite interesting. So we're going to bring him on the line, and in the uh, interest of uh, reaching him at a later date, please feel free to reach out to him at my email address, author, A-U-T-H-O-R, at OneHeartSeries.com. Again, you will be able to reach out to the guest, Philip Brown II, at author, A-U-T-H-O-R, at OneHeartSeries.com. We're going to bring him on to the air right now, and we want to tell you welcome, Pastor Brown, Pastor Philip Brown.
1: Hello,
2: Can you
1: Yes, I can. Hey,
3: <laughs> How's everything?
2: Very well, very well.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, that was good. Was such a beautiful message. I just loved it. Uh love the book of Hosea. Um, the book of Hosea is pretty much about a man who is a hero. He uh, God called him to suffer a, uh, a horrific marriage uh, that he may know what it know what god was feeling and uh one of the things that just grabbed a hold to me was hosea's obedience to do that something that uh you know anyone who has dealt with adultery in a marriage they know how painful that is to hand someone all of your love and they take it and trash it um it is it's very painful um I've I have not uh, had to experience that. Um, I've been married 17 years. My first wife, three beautiful children, and uh, but I've I've come across a lot of people who have uh, a lot of friends of mine, close relatives of mine, <clears throat> who have suffered adultery in a marriage. And uh, you look in their faces, and man, the faces full of tears, and they're just hurting. They're just a lot of pain, and for Hosea to be obedient to God when he, when he called Hosea to come and to marry such a woman who would not only commit adultery against him, but to end up in slavery, uh, into, into slavery, uh, uh, sex slavery. And uh, God has, and even when Hosea, you, as you read the book of Hosea, you'll see where Hosea got frustrated. And uh, with dealing with her to the point to where he even wanted to give up on, on her. And God called him to go and to receive her back into his arms. And there are a lot of us today, we, we're not doing that. I mean, even on a one-time affair, we're done. <laughs> I mean, to, to a lot of us, that's just a lot of pain to endure the first time to have to build trust again to go through that again. Um, In my relationship with my wife, one of the things that I've learned uh, through my 17 years of marriage is I had to learn to put the kingdom first. I had to learn to put God first. I went into my marriage wondering what my wife could do for me rather than what I could do for my wife for the kingdom. And once I built that attitude up, uh, once I've changed my mindset to, to follow that my marriage began to click it began to come together if things have started to work out well for me then it, I've been able to talk with my wife and my wife has, has seen a change in me and also I have seen a, a change in her uh, God will put before you stumbling blocks he will let you fall as a a hurting lover, God will throw things in your way to He will cut off the blessing in order to reach you. He's a jealous God. The Bible says that he is a he's a jealous God, and he will do everything he possibly can to come after you to he wants you He loves you so much he, you are his 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 vessel you are his his pride and his joy and you know just like our children when we see our children go astray, we love them so much. Even though sometimes we got to throw hard love and hard love at them, we throw that hard love at them so that they can fall on their face. We want them to fall to the point to where they come running back into our arms because we love them so. And this is what God was trying to tell Israel. And he needed Hosea to tell them. He needed Hosea to feel the pain, the breathtaking pain that he was feeling when he was dealing with with, with Israel, and he he wanted Israel so bad that Israel had not only just had to commit an adultery, they had just left him, they left him stranded and cold. And some people who are listening to me right now can understand that. that if you've gone through a, an, an adulterous situation, you understand the pain and the tears that come along with that, in, that, that enduring. And uh, God wanted Hosea to know how he felt. And uh, go in there and tell the people of Israel, you know, that come and turn from your wicked ways and come unto him, and, and that, that there's nothing out there better than his love. And uh, that's what has really been a blessing to the book of Hosea has really been a blessing to even my marriage because it, that that's, that I think a lot of what's in Hosea had helped me to understand how God feels toward us. It has kept me, it has kept my marriage pure, it has kept me from from doing things that I, shouldn't, I should not
2: not have, and I just thank God for that. Amen, amen, amen. You know, when you were saying that, I was going uh, into uh, Hosea, and it was Hosea chapter 2 specifically where you were talking about, that that is exactly what Hosea chapter 2 verse 6 through 8 says. It says, therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her path. She will chase her lovers but not overtake them, yet she will seek them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for bail. And what you were talking about is that when he sets up stumbling blocks, this is what he's talking about. He says, I'm going to head you in so that when you get ready to try to go and do what it is that is going to hurt our relationship, you're going to feel the pain of it so strongly that it will not allow you to catch up to the things that you're chasing after. So it says, you know, I'm going to have you chase and let you chase, but you're not going to be able to catch up to the people or the things that you're chasing after. So he keeps you from getting things. I mean, can you imagine that there's something that you believe that you're supposed to have or something that you're longing for and you know you're really not supposed to have it, and every single time that you go after it, you think I'm this close to getting it, and then all of a sudden you don't get it. And you think, you know, what is going on? He clearly said, and Jose says, I'm going to hedge up your way with thorns so that I can bring you to repentance, just like you said, so you want your children to fall down and say, you know, Mama, Daddy, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I was wrong, and I'm going to get it right, and I'm going to do it the way that I know is best for me because I know that you don't mean me any harm. And that's exactly, absolutely, exactly, Pastor Phil, what he was talking about, and it, it, then when he turned around, he said, you know, the things that I have given you, he says, you didn't even realize it that when you were so you were talking about being sold into sexual slavery, and all that time while she was caught up in that situation, the scripture, the commentaries and things like that says that Hosea was bringing silver and, and food and wine for her, and she thought that it was coming from her lover. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, you know, uh, being married to somebody and they're living down the street from you and you know that they're in there hungry and you know that they're in their raggedy and you're going to take the time and get some clothes, get some money, and get some food and go knock on the door where she's living at and unbeknownst to her and give the the stuff to her lover so that he can take care of her? Can you imagine that? And this is this is what God is saying he did in Hosea. Now, how would that how would that play into uh the thought of who did I marry? So, one minute, you know, she's thinking that Hosea has walked away from her because obviously she's, you know, been caught up in the situation for a minute. So, he doesn't want her anymore. You know, so but here he is all this time behind the scenes providing for her. How how do how do we handle that? How do we address that? How do we really break that down? To get people to understand that the things that God does for us when we are being unfaithful to him, he is yet behind the scenes making a way for us. That is Yes.
3: Yes. Yes, uh, that uh, that progression, the uh, the stages that uh, she went through, the the adulterous bride here, she the stages that she went through with the cheating and then having kids from other levels, and then the process of not only doing that but going further into uh, being a prostitute, and then she from being a prostitute she went into being sold into slavery. Uh, for mm-hmm. sex slavery And to think that uh, You know when we look at it like Like us today Like people today you know we look at it as Hey man you cheat one time And you know we're done You know we tell our wife or we tell our husband we, You know we're done you cheat one time we're done You know and then to think to, to to think that A man or a woman would want to be intimate Still with their husband Or their wife after they Have been sold into Slavery like that. Wow! You know that that part right there just shows you how much God was still dealing with Hosea right there. He he was still telling Hosea to go love her, to love her. He was in other words, God is still loving on us even when we are that disgusting and filthy. He he still desires from us a relationship even when we are that filthy. Even when we've gone that far out into the world, you know, that's why I tell people, you know, you don't. You, there's nothing you've done that God would not receive you into his loving arms. He still loves you. He still loves you with all of his Oh, he loves you so much. And if he could grab a hold to you and, and just bring If you can just imagine the loving arms of God just reaching down and embracing you and bringing you into his bosom and just holding you there. That's what he's doing. That's what he wanted Hosea to tell the people. That's what he wanted to express to the people that, that you know, even though I'm hurting like this, I still love you, even though you've gone way out there beyond uh, anything that anybody would want to deal with, anything. And that's what's so powerful about that, that book is that, that he, he still loves us, even though we've gone that far, that mm-hmm. far out there. There's nothing that we've done that God would not receive us and love on us, and, and and you know the thing is is that one of the things about His love even right there was that yes He was He had Hosea taking her things and providing for her, even at her worst He was doing that. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's just God's that's just God's reflection of how much He how much He still loves us. He still loves Israel just like that
2: hmm hmm That's it, that's it, that's it. That is absolutely awesome, you know. And then the things is kind of like when um I was looking in here and it talked about how God said, you know, her children, her children of harlotry, and a lot of people speculate and they say, well, you know, um, these were Hosea's children. These were Hosea's children, and he just had Hosea name. Uh, these children, these names to symbolize how God felt about them and what what they were doing. But when you read that passage, he says the children of harlotry didn't say the children you know of of our love, the children of harlotry so if we if we play on that and we think about, okay, what um it was, you know, and I guess because she was married to him, the children. Basically, had a father even though they were conceived immorally. You know what I'm talking about? Because according to custom, whatever children were born during the marriage, those children were considered to be the father, husband. But in reality, according to the scriptures, these were children of harlotry, Pastor Phil. These were. Children of a harlotry. So not only was he taking food to her, that whenever uh, she got pregnant, it seems as if she would get put out of the sex, you know, uh, slavery and be allowed to come home to him and have children, you know, have the babies that she had conceived in her harlotry. And then turn around after she had the baby, then go back to where she was. And continue to do what she was doing and Hosea continuing to make provision for her. So today, if we stepped out and said, okay, you know, I'm married and I've got, you know, ex-children here and I'm going to go back home to my husband and my husband is going to accept these children because custom says that basically he's the father of these children. You know, so, and and we have something similar to that, especially um, by state law is that the, the husband is considered to be the father of the children, no matter who uh, you have your children by, basically. Yeah. So until you prove otherwise, the state looks at you and, and says, okay, those are your children. Even if you know they're not your children, until you prove that they're not your children, the state is going to make you responsible for those children. So God is saying, I don't need anyone to make me responsible for what I love. Because I love this woman, I'm going to love her children, even though her children are not really mine. I'm going to still love, provide, and take care. So um, when we go into uh, there's there's a passage here in uh, chapter two as well, and we go down to verse uh, before that, uh, verse. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back to verse uh, 9, verse 9 through 13. And he says, Now um, I'm going to return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season, and will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths. All her appointed feasts, and I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, of which she has said, these are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with her earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, says the Lord. So, The breakdown in in the A verse, it says, I will return and take away my grain. Uh, And the B, it says that she forgot me. She forgot me. But then he turns right back around in verse 14 and 15, and he talks about restoring her. I'm going to punish you. But I'm going to still restore you. So therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyard from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. So I'm going to go back to romancing her. I'm going to go back to um, loving her and wooing her with kindness. And I'm going to show her um, that I'm going to give you hope in the midst of this. And I'm going to remind you that I still love you. And in verse 16 through 20 says, And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their name no more. And that day I will make a covenant. And we were talking about when we initially opened up with the, uh, the covenant, the bow, the rainbow in Genesis, that God made a covenant with the earth. And he says, you know, I'm going to make a covenant with them, my people, Amen. with the beast and with the birds of the air and with the creeping things. So he's restoring that relationship. But before he restores that relationship, you're going to understand that he is the one that you should be seeking after, not your other lovers, not your other uh, issues and your other concerns. And he literally, when I was reading and researching this before, um, basically, Pastor Phil, he said that he took away their, um, the birds of the air. They didn't have any fowl to eat. They didn't have any fish in the sea. He dried up the sea. He dried up the trees. He dried up the ground. And they were hungry and thirsty, and they began to eat themselves. He turned them into cannibals. And when they realized that even though he had given them an extreme punishment, the punishment that had been given them was one that they had brought on themselves. They had brought it on themselves. What else could he do? What else could he do? But yet he says, you're going to call me my husband. So he was looking forward to the day when they would return and get in a relationship with him and be restored. And he wants to have that intimate love relationship with us. And he wants us to long after him. And he wants us to have a marriage like love and commitment to him. And he doesn't want us to call him master. Because you call him master, that means that you are afraid of him. And you simply just are in the relationship because you're afraid not to be in the relationship, you know? And so some people are in relationships because they're afraid not to be in a relationship. They're afraid of being alone. There's some men, some women who, for the sake of being with somebody, will take and, and accept any situation, any circumstance because they are afraid. And so instead of being in a marriage where that person is my husband, I'm with you because I don't want to be by myself, and, and, I, and I'm afraid to be by myself, and I'm afraid to be alone. So he says, I'm going to take from your mouth the names of Baal. So in Hebrew, it says the name Baal comes from the word master, and that's why I said master, my master, because Baal means my master. So um, the idols that we set up in our lives that develop a master-slave relationship um, with ourselves and, and the things that we worship. He wants us to have a love-based, commitment-based relationship. He wants us to understand that he desires to be our God and he wants us to desire to be his people. And he wants us to the blessings that he has for us. So he says, I want to be married to you forever. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. When the relationship with the Lord is ultimately restored, it will never be broken again. And this passage takes us back to, uh, there's a passage, and I apologize for not having it up. It says that there comes a time when he heals our backsliding. And that, that to me is symbolic of him being our husband forever is that we no longer go chasing after bales. We no longer go chasing after other lovers. He, We have our minds fixed. We have our hearts fixed. We have everything fixed about our relationships that said that I want to be his as much as he wants me to be his, and I want to stay with him forever. So we are in relationship with him, and we are clothed in righteousness, and we are brought back. To him, just as if we never sinned,
4: Amen. and in
2: kindness and in mercy, and He wants us to know that in uh, it says verse 21 and 23 that the blessing, after you come back into relationship with Him, then the blessing comes back. He says, "It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer," says the Lord, "I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth." The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. So we go through the process. We go through the process of taking this relationship back to our first love. You know, we have forgotten him. He says, "You know, they forgot my name. They forgot who I was. (laughs) They forgot about. They forgot about me." Pastor Bill is like, "When you, when you, how would you address that?"
3: You know, Sister Pat. uh, Here it is too. You know, some some of us have. You know, those that have backslid and, you know, they've they've gone. They feel like they've gone too far out. That, you know, that they've done too much in their life. That, uh, that they've messed up destiny that God has laid before them, you know. Right here, right here in the book of Hosea, it, you know, God is showing us that He still has hope for you. That, that God still has a plan for you. You, you can't mess up God's plan, uh, and, and you can't get it fixed before you come back. So, as we come back into the uh, the love of God, as we come as we come back into his arms and back into relationship with him uh god still has a plan he still has a plan that that cannot be messed up because you went too far so mm-hmm. I, I say that because some people feel like you know well lord i done messed up i done, you know something that happened between some some guy and his wife or some some a woman and her husband and you know they done broke apart and they done got things all miskewed and you know, things are too far out of order for God to use me for anything else. That's a lie from the enemy. As soon as you come back, God has a plan for you. You can't mess up God's plan. He 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 is he is God. He he there's nothing that we can do to mess his plan up. He when you get back into the realm of where God wants you to be, he got stuff laid out right there. He already have a plan established just as soon as you decide to turn from your wicked ways and get back in right standards
2: with him. And that that's the whole um, beauty of it is when we were talking about, you know, who did I marry? Who did I marry? Did you get married? Did you get married? Did you get married to him first before you walked down the aisle to get married to another natural human being? Because remember, this other natural human being has been broken in different places as well. They've had the times where they've gone out and they've chased after bail. They've chased after uh, a, a, a master-slave relationship. And so now you've got your master-slave relationships coupled with their master-slave relationships, and now instead of being able to have worked them out before you got to that place, now you've got to work them out together. Now you've got to work them out together. And so then you have the issue of, is this ever going to change? Is this ever going to get better? But because you don't really know what that person's really gone through, Amen. Um, they're only telling you what they want you to know. They're only telling you what um, enough to keep you loving them, enough to keep you from leaving them, enough to keep you um, mystified with them. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So there's not full disclosure. Nobody has come in and said, you know what. I want you to know everything there is to know about me. And some people don't recommend that, don't don't recommend saying things like that, telling people because people can't handle the truth. And a lot of times that's true. Amen. But I, I believe that there is a certain amount of disclosure that ought to go on between people and, and relationships because truly God is saying, you know, I, I want you to know me and I want to know you, even though, I made you, even though you are my creation. I want you to talk to me about your day. I want you to talk to me about your pain. I want you to talk to me about what's hurting you. I want you to come to me when somebody has hurt you and somebody has wounded you. And let me tell you how I feel about that because I know what it feels like to be hurt. I know what it feels like to be cheated on. I know what it feels like to uh have someone say that they love you but then they turn around and they betray you. I know what it feels like to say uh that um I would never leave you. I'll never forsake you, but as soon as something else comes along and gets your attention, then you're gone. So, God continues to remain faithful. Faithful in the midst of our infidelity, in the midst of Um, things that we don't really think that we've done anything wrong because I was reading uh, when we were talking earlier about how he had given them mercy even though they didn't really earn it. It wasn't something that they did. So it's not what we do. It's what he does. So um, it says that when I return and restore them, He says, I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. She hadn't obtained mercy. Don't
3: deserve
2: it. She didn't, you know, there was nothing that she had done that merited him saying, I still want you to be my people because I want to be your God. He is God all by himself. He is unconditional. So he is the one, this is a a, a model for for marriage. This is a model for marriage. And in the process of that, it's like, but who wants to suffer? (laughs) Who wants to go through that? You know, who wants to put up with that? Who wants to have your wife or who wants to have your husband go outside of the marriage and have three children? And then he wants to bring those three children and live under your roof, and you have to look at them looking like their mother. <laughs> you know, and you gotta, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're so used to women having, um, you know, children by other men, but what is it when you're married to somebody and they go out and they bring these children in, or this husband goes out and brings these children in, and you're saying I love you, so I'm gonna love your children, and, and your friends and your family are saying you're a fool. You are a fool, are you crazy? And on top of that, it's not just the fact that he went out and had children outside on you. he's still sleeping with them because this is what yeah. this girl was doing it It was you know one thing for her to go out and get pregnant and come in and have the babies under the safety of his roof, but she would go back out and still have sex with them It, it wasn't over. <laughs>
3: It wasn't,
2: it
1: wasn't
3: over. So.
2: No, no.
3: That's that's what that's what's so powerful about this lesson is that you know it shows the, it shows the, it shows just a fraction. I'm not gonna say it shows the, the the entire depth of God's humility and patience that He has for us. But God's patience that He has for us, you know, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, we won't have no excuses. And that's that's. That's because, man, God has given us so much. He has given us so much. He's loved on us so much. He's given us every opportunity that we possibly that he could possibly give for us in the, in the time that He has allotted for us to receive Him, to, to to pull away from things that that are destroying us, to pull away from things that are not that are not aiding His kingdom. Uh, you know. It, this shows God's love for it shows uh, just a fraction of God's love for us, and it also shows a fraction of God's humility for us because it's, it's even deeper than that. That even this lesson is, is bringing out God's love and humility that He has for us,
2: and that's powerful. That's, that's absolutely powerful. And so when we take that and we go back to the Song of Solomon and it says that he has brought me into the banqueting room and he's placed um, a banner over me and the banner says that he loves me. (laughs) (laughs) So everything that Hosea was doing was basically the same as in uh, Solomon, is that he's gone out and he's saying, but I love her. I know she's cheating on me. I know she's over here caught up in this, you know, uh, sexual uh, improprieties. I know that she's had these three children. I know all of this. I, I, I'm I, not blind. I know this, but I still love her, and I still want to provide for her, and I still want this relationship to work, and I still want us to Enter into a relationship not based on fear, but based on respect, based on mutual admiration. I want you to want to be with me as much as I want to be with you. I mean, that's powerful. That's absolutely powerful. Then he gets back so easily, you know, and he did. For a season, And I was also um, reading over in some of the other passages, and I, I know this, this isn't. The thing that was so amazing to me was that uh, Pastor Phil was that the money that they gained, the wealth that they gained when they fled Israel, the book of Hosea is going on like 650 years after. They have left Egypt with all the wealth that they left with. Okay, God allowed the Egyptians to come back and take the money. Talking about a reversal of fortune. So everything, because they were saying, you know, look at us. Look at us. You know, we have done this by our own hands. You know, we have obtained all of this by our own hands. You know? And here God was saying, like, okay, all right, so, so you think that you've done that. He's like, okay, okay, all right. So since you think that you did it, then I'm going to let them come back and get it. So he dries up the fish, he dries up the file, he dries up the seed, uh, he dries up the ground, he dries up the water, and he dries up the wealth. And all they have is themselves. So suddenly the people who suddenly thought that it was all about them and it was their power that had gotten the wealth suddenly now become aware that maybe we didn't do this after all, because Deuteronomy says that it is he that gives us the power to get wealth. So he was teaching them in the book of Hosea, okay, I told you in Deuteronomy that it was me who gives you the power to get wealth, but you thought you did it yourself. So I just thought I would just, you know, let them come and get what I had given you so you could go and make yourself wealthy. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, he, he broke them down, totally down, totally down, to the point of, it was like, okay, now all you have is yourself. You don't want to be my people. I'm not going to be your God. And so now you, I'm going to leave you to your own devices. Well, left to their own devices, what did they do? They began to eat one another. Cool. They began to eat one another. Left to your own devices, you will devour yourself. Wow. You will devour yourself and those around you, left to your own devices. That's what that says to me. That's what that says to me. He took everything away from them so that he could get their attention, to get them to turn and repent. He took everything Pastor Phil, from there, everything. And, and
3: let I was to say that uh, you know that just shows his love for us again. You know, it shows us how much God loves us that He will go to the that extent to to uh, allow a man to go to a point where they would devour one another. I mean, you know, that's horrific. I mean, if you if you really think about that for a minute, that's that's horrific. And for to allow. To allow man to go back to a point to where they were devouring each other. In this, at that point, this shows that you know God will do anything to get our attention—not only to get our attention, but to seek to get our love back, to get His love back that He that we've taken from Him. That He, you know, He loves us. He He wants
2: us. Well, you know, we are um, most definitely. Going. Um, okay. um. Basically, let me. Um. I have a caller that wants to ask a question. So, are you ready to um, hear what they have um, to say, Pastor Phil?
3: That'll be fine. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Let me check with them and see if they're ready to be on the air. Okay. Okay.
0: Caller, you on the air? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, this is Dana Neal. Um, so far, this has just been so much of a blessing to me because um, in the six-and-a-half years of my own marriage, I kind of understand better the two sides of the street, so sort to of speak. Um, my question is this, and it's kind of going back to your topic for tonight, Miss Adams, and that is who did I marry? My question is, do people understand that if they had already had a deep relationship with the Lord, that they may not even have to question themselves.
2: Okay, you want to restate that for me again? Yes.
0: Yeah. Let me let me let me put it to you this way, if I could. Okay. In my own relationship in my own marriage that I have I didn't realize that I was not connected to my first love until this year. And, again, I've been married six and a half years. Okay. I didn't know that I had missed my whole connection with the Lord all this time. If people, and you and let me say, if I had known to sometimes all the way up to this point, I did ask myself, who did I marry? If I had known to reconnect all those years ago, with the Lord, even before I got married, would I have even had to ask myself this question?
2: Mm, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, now, um, I'm going to um, address that real quick, and then we're going to take that uh, same question to uh, Pastor Phil, okay? Is that okay? That's fine, yes. Yeah. Okay, um, do you want to stay on the line, or do you want me to put you back on hold?
0: Oh, we can stay. I can stay on the line, thank you.
2: Okay, okay. Um, I don't want to say that you would have not asked that question, but I believe that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the paraclete, the one that is on board with you. It says that we have a prophet on board with us in Corinthians, and he is that when the spirit of truth has come, that he will lead and guide us into all truth. And I consider that our prophet on board. And he takes us and he shows us and he speaks to us and he tells us the things that we need to know and he reveals to us the things that we need to know and understand. So when you say would, if I had have connected like I should have connected initially, would I have later asked the question, who did I marry? I'd want to say that if all things were equal and you truly, truly had connected with God, not half connected but truly connected with God, I don't believe you would have asked the question because I believe that the Holy Spirit would have revealed to you who you were marrying and you would have understood that the person that you were marrying, uh, like Mephibosheth, had maybe been dropped. you know what I'm saying? Uh, the Holy Spirit would have revealed some particulars to you about the person that you were marrying so that you would understand, okay, um, remember, um, Dana, when I took you through this and I took you through that, well, this is how you're going to have to handle this situation with your husband. You, you see what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And so if he says that he is a spirit of truth, then I would expect and believe that he would have told you the truth had you been connected and wanted to hear what he had to say. Okay. So um, that's my answer. That's my answer. So um, we're going to allow uh, Pastor Phil, so I'm going to have to put you on hold so that you can hear what Pastor Phil has to say. Okay? Okay,
0: thank
2: you. Okay. Can you hear me? No. So, Pastor Phil, can, can yes.
0: you hear
3: me? yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, God God is the God of uh, turning and turning the uh, turning things around in our lives that we think are not going the right direction. I mean, sometimes, like like for, like for instance, those that may have gotten married uh, into a relationship uh, before they were saved, uh, and they've given their life solely to Christ, but their spouse hasn't. Uh, now you're in a situation where you 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 are. You're now living a ministry now. You you are in a situation where if you're not being uh, abused by this person um, um, in any form, then it is your job to, to 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 be a light, to be a guide unto the Lord for that person. Uh, to continue to do that will be a, a blessing, uh, and it also will be a blessing for those that are watching you all the time. Um, those that you are around, family members, uh people on your job, they will see and know that you might be in a bad relationship, but they're watching how you handle that through through Christ. They'll they'll they're watching how you are handling those situations through him. Uh God never gave up hope. And and because and because he wants us to be like him, we shouldn't give up hope. not to give up hope on that individual. We should we should um, Seek God and follow Him and, and, and learn from Him uh, ways of of, uh, of of reaching that person in our life that has not turned yet. And God is going God is going to turn that thing around. I just want to encourage you tonight that God will turn that thing around if there is a problem there. It might not be a problem there, but if there is, God will God will fix that situation where you got you guys will come together as and, as as one unto the Lord uh to be uh to be an asset to his kingdom.
2: Amen, amen, amen. That was that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. And uh that was a great question um that she posed. Um was definitely a great question. Um and so I want to find out from her if that call, um, I think her line drops and I want to know if that answered the question uh, that she was raising. Um, if she had of returned back to her first love, would she um been able to answer the question or would she have even had to ask the question, who did I marry? Because perhaps had she re- connected when she felt like she should have connected, God would have already told her um, who she was married. So let's go back to the line and see if we answered that question for her. So I'm going to put you on hold, Pastor Phil, okay? Yes, sir. Okay, caller. Hi. You have any comments for Pastor Phil?
0: Yes, I do have a comment. Yes, those, the question was answered by both of you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, bless you both for for answering it in such detail, especially not only for myself but for the listening audience. Uh, my mm-hmm. comment is this: um, The Pastor put it right, right, hit it right on the on the head, hit the nail right on the head. When he said that if you got married and weren't saved and then you decide to redirect your life and your spouse still has not, your your marriage then becomes a ministry because that is a similar situation that I am in. I was saved prior to getting married, but I had been backslidden safe.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: just redirecting my life now in the past three years, and coming to this whole turning point in 2009, my entire marriage has been um, a ministry. And there's something about about um, your home life that God talks about in the Word that tells you that you, your first ministry is home. Before you become pastor, before you become elder, minister evangelist, your first ministry is at home. And we have to, one, get that right at least right on God's level before he can elevate us to the next. And I'm so glad that you have this topic on tonight because it helps people to realize that your marriage, your relationship, your intimate relationship you have with your spouse actually starts with the Lord. So so you have to make the connections right. Like you can't get your marriage right. If you can't get yourself right with God, I know I learned that, and, and, and I hope this is a help for someone. If you know that you can't trust your spouse, ask yourself, can you trust the Lord? And I and 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 that comes along with with two your question here in the topic: who who do I who did I marry? Because if you have to trust the Lord, although fear what He can do to you in the end. You trust him, you love him, he's your everything first. And if you have done that or if you can do that, then everything else in with your spouse falls into place. It brings up a you know, a lot with the relationship side of your relationship with your father in heaven. If you yeah. can't trust him, love him lean on him, and know that he can take care of you, then how do you know that you'll be able to do that with the one he sends for you?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So
0: uh, really hit it right on the head with that, you know, having the two-sided, but, you know, you have to bring it all together. And, and, and he did with the, his um response. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate you both in the response. Thank you so
2: much. Yes. You know, I love his ministry. He has um, the uh, gifts of teaching uh, so strongly, and I um, enjoy listening to his explanations because he takes it and, and he makes it relevant to you, but at the same time, he brings it down to it breaks it. It, to me, in its simplest form, to its lowest common denominator. There was no way that you can not understand <laughs> you where know, um, he was coming from. So I thank God for him joining us uh, this afternoon. And what I'd like to do at this point is there is a, a song that I'd just like to play really briefly. I'm going to go uh, put you on hold if you don't mind, if you'd like to stay on and also uh, go in and bring him back up so that he can comment, and then we're going to seg into um, a, a song that's called Speak to My Heart. Thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. Pastor Phil? Yes. Yes, did you hear the caller's response? Yes,
3: I, I was very touched by that. That is, that is awfully sweet of her, I tell you. Uh, and then uh, the comments that you made is really sweet of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, give all praises to God for that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. He's so faithful. He is so faithful. So
2: um, let's play this song I'm really quickly. It's called Speak to My Heart. Okay? And um, I'll put you both on hold and I'll come back to the line shortly. All right. Thank you.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I can hear from you, and I'll know what to do, I won't go on, i go on my own, just let your spirit guide, and let your word abide
2: Yes, thank you all so much for being on the air with Tricia Adams Live where our topic has been who did I marry and the description of this topic is first you dated, then you became engaged and then the wedding, but did you marry who you thought you dated? Now the question is what did you forget to consider and what we have been considering on the show tonight has been the book of Hosea and also the Song of Solomon. And we have primarily been coming out of Hosea chapter 2 and a little bit of Hosea chapter 3 and Song of Solomon primarily chapter 2. And we've touched a little bit on chapter 1 of Song of Songs and chapter 3 of Song of Songs. But we have taken the relationship between the believer and God and through Jesus Christ and we've compared it to the natural relationship of the man and the woman, and getting you to understand the proper positioning of becoming a husband or becoming a wife is first and foremost that of a believer, a believer to a savior, not to a master, not to a taskmaster but to someone who loves you unconditionally and wants to teach you and lead you into all truth. So your first love is the core and the center because the Bible says that a cord of three cannot be easily broken. And when you have Christ as the center of everything that you do, every relationship flows out of him and you basically are able to operate, In the area that you need, if you need him to be your mother, if you need him to be your father, if you need him to teach you how to be a mother, if you need him to teach you how to be a father, a husband, a mother, um, a sister or a brother or a daughter or a son, he is the paraclete the Holy Spirit that has been given to you as a believer to lead you and guide you into all truth. He wants you to know the truth because it is the truth that comes into our lives that creates a change in us, that causes us to do what it is for the Father's good pleasure. We were ultimately created for his good pleasure, and everything that we do, everything that we find to put our hands to should be done for his glory because he wants to see The glory manifested in the earth is that the sons of God must manifest in the earth and the earth must see that we are his and that we are not theirs but we are his. The sons of God, the whole earth is waiting for us to manifest and we manifest in everything that we do. We must show forth the glory of God in the earth. So I want you again Thank Pastor Phil uh, Brown II for coming on the air with us today to discuss this with us. And if you'd like to reach him, you may reach him through my email address at author, A-U-T-H-O-R, at OneHeartSeries.com. Again, that email address is author, A-U-T-H-O-R, at OneHeartSeries.com. And again, The name of our guest has been Pastor Philip Brown II, and we want to also uh, thank those of you who have listened in, who joined us in the chat room, and who have uh, chimed in for questions. We had uh, Dana Neal with a very powerful question, and I thank you so much for that question. And those of you who have been on the line and have not wanted to uh, call or to raise your hand to ask a question we thank God for you we thank God for those of you who will be coming by to listen to this broadcast later and may you be blessed and we're going to go back now to Pastor Phil because we want him to offer up the prayer of salvation to those who are on the line and also to those who will be coming by Amen
3: uh, I want to God for uh, you, sister Pat. You know, uh, you, my sister. I love you. Thank you for allowing me to come on um, tonight and to share. Uh, Just wanted to put in the hearts of everyone that um, just put the kingdom first. Whether you're at your job, whether you're on your, whether you're dealing with your marriage, whether you're raising kids by yourself, uh, put the kingdom first. That's where you. That's where your blessing is. Is in the kingdom. It's a mindset. When you set your mind toward the kingdom, everything else will take care of itself. The Bible says that. You know, uh, that's one of the things that have blessed me is that I had to stop thinking about what my wife would do for me, but what I can do for my wife, for the kingdom. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is that uh, that we can do together as a couple to let our light shine to others, that they may see Christ in us, that they may wonder why we are happy during bad, even during bad times. While we still smiling through our tears, how, while we still holding hands, even though it seems like the world has been totally against us, that's what that's, that's the testimony. That's our physical testimony toward the whole world, to the whole world, that they may look and see, hey, you know, I want that. I want. To, I desire to have a relationship like that. Or, or you say, I, you know, man, I want to. I want to be happy like you, even though my boss treats me like crap. Or, or you know, you know, how do you smile even though you've got three kids? And, and and you're trying to struggle, trying to raise kids by yourself. You know, we put the kingdom first, put the kingdom first, when we draw on that. Uh that's in Matthew. And, and and God God shows us that when we put his kingdom first, everything else that we have desire, our hearts desire will, will it will take care of itself, it will bless us. Amen.
2: Amen, amen, amen. And so, you know, I want to basically restate that God is reclaiming the hearts of his children, reclaiming the hearts of his people. Um, and he wants us to have a renewed life, and he knows that um, any relationship that we have is going to require patience, sacrifice, and we're going to have to be disciplined, and we're going to have to have compassion one for another. And in that process that there is an order in relationships, there's a divine order in all of our relationships, Um as a son as a uh, a husband, a wife, or spouse, whatever or a friend, and then there is a covenant that we have to enter into before we get into the relationship. You have to first agree to be in the relationship before you can even start the relationship. so then you've got um, how your marriage to Christ as a believer he is the bridegroom, and you are the bride. And he has a design and a purpose for all of this and why we should be concerned about it and why we should allow him to become the head of our lives because he created us. He created us for his good pleasure and he wants us to make sure that we don't move past the foundation and go straight into the relationship. You have to have the foundation because this is where everything must be built upon. You must first lay and allow the foundation of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to come in and to settle some things in your life because you've already been broken. You've already been battered. And that song that we played on the intermission speaks to my heart. It says, you know, I won't do anything until I hear from you. If you don't hear from me, then I won't know what to do. I won't know where to go. I don't want to go on my own. I don't want to go all on my own. I don't want to be alone. Because David said to God, he says, you know, um, this injustice has been done to me, but I need for you to tell me whether or not to pursue. And when God turned around and told David after he had had his wives and his sons and everything taken away from him um, as he was away at war, basically god said pursue and when you pursue you shall recover it all so when god tells you to pursue you are going to recover it all and when god tells you um what to do then it's going to work out the only way that it won't work out is if you step outside of what he's told you to do if you get ahead of him if you get behind him you get in his kairos in his perfect timing then everything will work out. And I know for a fact by a living testimony that when God tells you to do something, he has a plan and a purpose, and he has a reason for it. You don't understand it, but he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He sees what we can't see, and that's where the trust comes in, is that because he doesn't sleep, he doesn't take a nap, he is steady-looking, his eyes are moving to and fro, and he is sitting on the circle of the earth. And I remember um, one time when there was just something just I thought was just so hard that I didn't know how I was going to handle it, and he spoke to me. He says, I sit on the circle of the earth. If I sit on the circle of the earth, surely I can sit on this situation. I can sit on any problem in your life. So let me sit down in the midst of your situation in the midst of your circumstances, and that means that when he sits down, that it's finished. You may not see it as finished, but when he sits down, it's finished because the only time that he sits down is when something is finished because he says, and he, and he says, you know, after having done all, after having done all, I am now seated on the right hand of my father. And the only time I'm about uh, standing up is when they were stoning Stephen. So he's seated, and so if you want him to rule your in your life, then you have to allow him to sit down in your life. And you sit down with him, and that means that you are walking in a relationship. You are in a relationship with him, and he is able, he is able to do exactly, exactly um, what you are um, needing him to do. And so I, I really thank God for all of us um, who are able to, uh, to be here, and I want to um, have people uh, able to reach out to uh, Miss Neal. So if I can get her to come on and tell us how we can reach out to her, because I believe that she's involved in some things um, as well. So, I want to open that up to you to come back on the line and to tell people a little bit more about yourself, okay, and what you're doing if you're prepared to do that and um, you know tell people how to get in touch with you as well and so, if you are able to do that, then that would be absolutely awesome, okay, so let me see if I can get her back um on the call and um here just shortly so pastor i feel while we're waiting for that response from her what i'd like to have is basically um you to do a prayer of salvation um that we could put on here okay um so hold on just a second and let me bring her back on the line and then we're going to close out with the prayer of salvation here shortly okay just a second Hi.
0: Hi. <laughs> I, I so apologize. I um, wasn't um, available. My phone kind of shut down on me. But praise the Lord that I am back, and I thank you so much, Ms. Adams, for the opportunity to just say a little bit about what I'm doing. Um, my name, again, is Dana Neal, and I'm a motivational speaker and author. And right now what I'm working on is bringing some intimate enlightenment to married people as well as um, speaking all over the Internet involving encouragement and motivation. I think that um, it's funny that in your topic that you also put in first love because the Lord has taken me back to my first love, not only the relationship with him, but the things that I used to do that, Um, brought comfort to others, encouragement to others, as well as bringing others closer to him, and that is my writing and my speaking. It has been a long time coming because, as you both may know, as well as the listening audience, when you have gifts that God has given you and the world gets in the way or life circumstances get in the way, those gifts become dormant. Mm -hmm. And one thing you don't want to do when God has given you something, especially that will help build his kingdom, is allow life or allow the enemy, if I could say, to come in and lock up your gifts. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, with that, I've been, um, again, speaking all over the Internet, especially more so in the past few months, getting ready to go into 2010. I just created a new, um, more user-friendly website in regards to my speaking, and it is, um, if I may say, www.danamarie.info, and that's Dana Marie D-A-N-A-M-A-R-I-E dot I-N-F-O. Um, and uh, it's just been a blessing where he's taking me. I have some projects that will be released before the end of the year. I'm working on a poetry book, a intimate poem just for Christians and basically Christian married people. I have a, a webinar coming up as well in January for um, Christian uh, married Christians. To help them bring back the intimacy And to know that even though we're saved And even though we're children of God That he wants us to have That deep Love all over Again if we don't have it With our spouses You know he tells us to be fruitful And multiply but he Also tells us that we you know Must love one another respect One another so sometimes We have to see each other as we did when We were courting but I'm hoping that this webinar and this poetry book will allow people to see that, you know, they don't need um, pornographic images. They just need the love of the Lord in their heart and um, to want to rekindle that love with their spouses again. And I think that a lot of that comes with motivation and encouragement. Sometimes you have to reach people right where it hurts, and sometimes it's their heart, not so much their emotions.
2: That's good. That's good. Um, so your webinar, they'll be able to access that through your website, and that's uh, www.danamarie.info.
0: They'll be able to
2: get your webinar. Okay, so that's danamari dot I N F O. And if you'd like to reach uh, Pastor Philip Brown the second, you may do so through email a u t h o r at oneheartseries.com. Again, that's Arthur at oneheartseries.com. A-U-T-H-O-R at OneHeartSeries.com to reach uh, Pastor Philip Brown II. And also if you'd like to reach um, Dana Neal as well through me, that's perfectly fine as well if for some reason you have any difficulties uh, reaching out to her. So I want to thank you both so much for uh, coming and being a part of the show and I thank God for bringing me back up online, uh, because it has definitely been um, something that has been burning in my heart to do. And I am in the process of building my database of people to send this out to as well. So I ask that if you have anyone that you know that would benefit from the show, that you would have them come by and listen to the archive, because you know it will go in the archive um, after we get off the show. And hopefully it will be a blessing to someone. And, and if you want to link back to it, that's fine as well. Um, also, right now we've got 14 minutes remaining on the show. And so I want to, um, like I said, have Pastor Phil come back and conduct a prayer of salvation so that those who will come by later will be able to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Okay. So thank you so much, and um, I hope you can stay on until, you know, we come to the conclusion. But if for any reason you need to drop off, I understand. Okay? God bless you.
0: Bless you. Okay. Hello? Hi, Pastor Phil. How are you? Can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can hear you very well.
3: right. Okay. Well, we're going to pray, and uh, if you... hear my voice, I pray that you would bow your head just for a minute. And if if you're around any distractions, if you can kind of pardon yourself for a minute. uh, We're just going to bow our heads right now and come before you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord God, for this ministry. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord God, the words that have been spoken will be embedded into our hearts, Lord. Uh, Father, we're sorry for leaving you. Father, we come to you, Father, apologizing, Lord God, for turning our backs on you. Father, for not for not making you number one in our life. For, Father, for seeking other things that are not pleasing to you, Lord God. We we pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that uh, you would touch our hearts right now. Father, we come to you believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he has come to save us, Father. And we thank you. We thank you that he was risen, that he rose Again, Father, and that, and that Father He sits on the right hand of You, Lord God. We thank You in the name of Jesus, Father. We we repent tonight. We repent tonight, Lord God, and we ask that You would forgive us of anything that we may have said or done that wasn't pleasing to You. Father, we want to turn a new leaf right now. Father, we want to turn. We want to turn from our sin right now and start walking in righteousness, Father. Be, begin to start walking. Father, toward the destiny that you have prepared for us, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for for bringing us back in, Father, for helping us, Father, for, for keeping us, Father, in the midst of our sin. Father, we thank you. We love you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. 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 And I also want to invite you all to come to my website, and it is www.oneheartseries.com. Again, it's www.oneheartseries.com, O-N-E-H-E-A-R-T-S-E-R-I-E-S.com, and um, visit us there and, you know, take advantage of any products that you see that's being offered there. Um, the titles that are there are dealing with intimacy with God, and we are in the process of building our store, so the products will be getting posted there shortly as well. Uh, you'll be able to order things that are, you know, related to the One Heart series and uh, inspirational information as well. And you'll be able also to uh, pick up some audio because we're taking uh, the book to audio as well and doing some additional audio um, recording um, that will be made available shortly. So seems like all of us, we've got things going on because we are about our Father's business. Amen. Amen. Amen been a blessing i thank god for those of you who took the time to come by and i want to tell you um, that i appreciate it so very much and in the process of getting this all done didn't get a chance to really push this out and advertise this but i am going to request this be featured and by being featured it will go out and people more people will be exposed to it so i as the word of God says is that one man plants, another waters, but it is God that gives the increase. So I pray increase on this uh message that there will be many people who will come by and listen to it and many people who will be blessed by it and that we will see healing and restoration and deliverance and salvation come about as a result of the three of us coming together because the three fold cord cannot be easily broken. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We've got like nine minutes remaining, and um, I have another song that I'd like to play um, as we get ready to go out. And it's called "Order My Steps." So, Pastor Phil, I'm going to place you on uh, a brief hold, and I'm going to come back after this song. Okay?
3: Amen. Amen. Is God good, saints? Is God good all the time?
1: God good
2: all the time? Amen, amen. We have three minutes I uh, left on um, the air right now, and I am bringing up um, Pastor Phil, and I am bringing up Dana as well. I believe that I'll, I'll be able to get both of you uh, in here, and uh, we're going to close out, and I don't think it's going to let me do that. Dana? Yes, Ana. thank you so much um, And I uh, hope that you'll share The link with someone And uh, you know, may they come by and be blessed And God bless I you will. So very, very I much will. Bless
0: So you as well, darling
2: Yes, thank you So um, I'm going to uh, Put you on mute, I'm going to go back to Pastor Bill And then I'm going to close out in prayer And then we'll be signing off Thank okay. you
0: okay. You're welcome
2: Hello. Dr. Phil, awesome, awesome, awesome job Thank you so much for Hello. sacrificing uh, uh, your Sunday I know you had a full day already But I want to thank you so much for coming by And for sharing with us And I hope that um, out of this God gets the glory And I know that he shall Because we he came to get the purpose of glorifying him And so all flesh was under, and I thank God for you, and I thank you for uh, the gift that God has placed in you, and I just pray that um, in this season that we're coming into, that God will use you mightily, and uh, that many souls will be saved, and many uh, believers, especially marriages and situations and circumstances and, and the lives of single people will be blessed uh, by your um, your ministry. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. So I receive that, and thank God for
2: you. Thank you. Amen. So we've got one minute left in the show, so I'm going to close this out in prayer, and uh, then we're going to go off the air. So um, thank you so much again, Pastor, okay? Bless you. Amen. Bless you. God bless you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your word shall not return unto you void, but it shall. Which you have sent it to do. I thank you, Lord God, that as we come to the conclusion of this broadcast, God, that your word would go forth and have free reign and free course, that you would have the total victory, that all the praise and all the glory and the honor belongs to you, and that for this reason, we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We hope and we pray that you've been pleased with our service and that you've been pleased with that has gone forth on this broadcast has been for your glory. May your people receive blessings from your hand, Lord God, for the time that they have spent sacrificing to come and join us on the air tonight In every situation and circumstance in their lives, God, from the north, south, east, and the west, God, for such a time as this, we ask that you would move into their lives, Lord God, and bring them Into proper alignment with where you have for them to be and the things that they have put their hands to do, God. You said that faith without works is dead, God, and I thank you that they have the faith and they also have the work, and I thank you that you shall bring forth the increase because it is you who gives us the power to get wealth, and above all things, we know that you. With that, we are going to close, and, and a saying that has been heard around the world is that Jesus is Lord. And until next time, we will see you again on Patricia Adams Live.